This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Saver, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about baby corn. <laughs> yes. Yes, this was a another Lauren suggestion. Was there any impetus behind this one? Ah, uh, okay. So um, this one's been in the back of my mind for a long time because our dear friend and coworker Joe McCormick um, has this has this uh, this this video that he loves, um, and it's about the production of canned baby corn, and uh-huh. I, I believe it's called Delicious Baby Corn. And okay. it's just a very straightforward manufacturing video, but like the the voiceover narration is kind of brilliant in its in its dedication to delicious baby corn. Oh, I love this! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll have to like like I know that I say that I'm going to share stuff on social pretty frequently and then never do, um, but uh, <laughs> but but this one I will definitely tweet out because. It's just it's just beautiful, you know? It sounds beautiful. I definitely want to watch that. I love right. when people put in their whole like heart yeah. into something that on the surface seems very perhaps silly or superfluous. Or um, or or mundane, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, that's not what I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> uh and and when I when I suggested this, uh I suggested it. 
rather than via um, a, a textual exchange over the internet, I said it out loud to you on a video chat, and mm-hmm. and you said something that surprised me. I did, and then I was surprised it surprised you so much so <laughs> that I thought the video screen had frozen. <laughs> um, so I said, I love baby corn. And Lauren, the look she gave me all, like, I really thought Skype had frozen because it was <laughs> silence and she was unmoving. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> we're going to have to call back or continue this over text. Uh, but that's not what you said. <laughs> no, no, I just, um, I, I, I didn't know that anybody loved this food. <laughs> And then that sent me on a tailspin (laughs) where I was like, am I weird? (laughs) Have I been wrong about baby corn all along? Uh, No, I mean, you're never wrong about what you like or dislike. I just I just didn't I just wasn't aware that that was a category. I believe you said something like I wasn't aware that was an option. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, so here we are. It's going to be fun uh, to discuss. (laughs) But yes, I loved it. I loved it as a kid. Um, Up until high school, um, I would cook it as a snack. I would just kind of like, I wouldn't say saute so much as just heating it up with butter. And then I would just eat it. Okay, um, okay. Out of cans. Um, I would order it, if you could, at Chinese restaurants. And it was a running joke in my family. You could tell if I had gone first. When we would get, we used to get Chinese food every Friday, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that you could tell if I'd gone first because there'd be no. Baby <laughs> you would have picked out all of the. <laughs> From the stir fry, I would pick out all the baby corn, and there would just be a plate, like a pile of baby corn wow. on my plate. And my brothers also liked it, but it was such a like I loved it, and they just liked it. So okay. I was kind of unwilling to share. So they had to go first if they wanted to get to get any baby corn. But they did like it too. Unless they were being spiteful, which is totally possible. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a big it was a big snack food for me. There was always cans of baby corn in our huh. in our cabinet. Um and yeah, yeah, I up until high school. And I really only stopped just because I think yeah, it became sort of hard. It wasn't the easiest thing to find, especially in college. Sure. Uh, so I kind of just stopped eating it. But I tried to find some for this to try it and see, like, maybe I don't like it anymore now. But I couldn't. But I suspect I still like it. I remember it pretty well. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I do not feel the same way. I. <laughs> I recall never having felt the same way. I. uh I don't, as a as a rule, like dislike many foods, but baby corn was was something that I maybe not actively disliked, but like would avoid on a plate mm-hmm. uh, as a child, and mm-hmm. and I guess I I guess I also haven't had it recently, um, and I've never had it fresh, which is a whole thing. It it can be fresh, yeah. I'd always had it canned, and maybe that's why I don't like it that much. Maybe. We need, okay, we need to add this to the list. We need to have, oh like, a very goodness. strange feast of, like, <laughs> yes. all of these. I need to, like, get some, like, fresh fennel for you and, like, a bunch of different kinds of root beer. We need white to have asparagus. some white yeah. asparagus, baby corn. Oh, my goodness. 
my stomach is already kind of like, I don't know about this <laughs> idea. I'm into it, but like also apprehensive. <laughs> that is that is the emotion that I am feeling. <laughs> yes. I will say most people, when I was reading, it's almost like what they didn't like about baby corn was that it tasted canned. Yeah. Like there's a specific canned taste that was really like off-putting. Yeah, and I and I think thinking back now I'm pretty sure that it is in fact like the canned taste and texture that I disliked about it. So Makes There sense. you go. There uh, you go. There you go. I will say also, lots of good puns with this one. Children of the Corn was my favorite that I found. <laughs> but lots of good puns. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um yes. Yes. Well, um does mm-hmm. this does this bring us to our question? Yes. Baby corn. What is it? Well, uh, baby corn is baby corn. Um, it's ears of corn that are harvested when they're very young, like so young that the whole cob is still tender and edible. Um, and the starches and sugars haven't really developed yet. So you eat it whole, like a vegetable. Um, it's like a, it's like very small crunchy vegetal corn? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, to paraphrase Spike from Buffy, it's it's like a regular cob of corn that's this far away. <laughs> it's not really because the taste and texture are different as I just outlined, but I don't know, like that popped into my head and I couldn't get it out. So you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, baby corn is also called uh, cornlets. And oh. I, which is so cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and candle corn, I've read. I couldn't mm-hmm. confirm the candle corn one because when you Google candle corn, you just get a lot of candles that are shaped like corn cobs. Of course. For pages and pages and pages and pages. Wow. And many well, of them. Good for the candle corn business. <laughs> y- yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, I didn't know this was a whole thing. Uh, a lot of the images are slightly disturbing to me. Uh, like it's sort of like the opposite of how, like intrinsically cute baby corn is. It's like the opposite of that. Oh, yeah. Anyway, huh. <laughs> uh, corn, uh, often called maize around the world, and the botanical name is Azia uh, maize, has lots of varietals and subspecies from the sweet corn that we eat off the cob to uh, field types that are used for grits or hominy or masa or cornmeal or cornstarch or corn syrup, etc. Both sweet and field types can be used to grow baby corn. Um, Field corn seed is cheaper. Sweet corn is easier to hand harvest when it's young. It's kind of a kind of a trade-off there. Uh, But uh, okay, so so this is not a podcast episode about corn. No. But briefly, uh, corn is a type of tall grass that grows its seeds, aka grains, aka kernels, on these um, oblong support structures called cobs. And to do this, each stalk of corn grows a male flower at its top that's called a tassel because it looks like a tassel, um, uh, and then several female flowers on its lower branches, um, which are the ears, um, in their protective husks. Um, the husks being the, the the green leafy bits that you that you shuck, yeah? Um, mm-hmm. So when you're growing corn, inside each husk, you've got that support structure, the cob, surrounded by up to a thousand embryonic seeds, 
And each seed eventually puts off a strand of silk that, uh, not real silk, plant silk, it's just a name. It, it looks like silk, that's why. Uh, it shoots up out of the top of the husk. And when the male flower at the top of the stalk puts off pollen, the pollen falls down um, onto the female flowers, which collect it on that silk and thus pollinate an individual seed. Those tiny seeds then uh, grow and develop into full kernels, each with a tough skin surrounding the proteins and fats and starchy, sugary food supply that a seed would need to germinate and grow into its own corn stalk. To support the seeds, the structural cob grows large and tough. But for baby corn, you're looking to harvest before the cob is fertilized and starts doing all of that growing and toughening. Um, that's either right before the silk emerges from the husk or like two-ish days after. Sometimes you'll trim the tassels from the plant in order to prevent fertilization. But often a uh, baby corn is a secondary crop. Like you let the top year of corn on the stalk develop fully and harvest the lower ones early for baby corn. And as far as I know, no mechanical technology has been developed to do this. It's always picked by hand. So um, uh, to sell them fresh, they'd have to be kept in husk, treated fairly delicately, uh, which they are in some places, but they're most often shucked, par-cooked, and canned for wider distribution. So what you wind up with are these, these little ears, these little ears of corn, um, up to about 10 centimeters or five inches long, around one centimeter or half an inch in diameter. Um, they're crunchy, mild in flavor, um, not as sweet as table corn, like a little sweet, but not as sweet as table corn because those, those sugars and flavors haven't fully developed yet. Um, and yeah, like I said, I have not had them fresh. Uh, writing, for, writing for taste, um, one Max Falkowitz said, these tiny cobs are indeed the veal of the corn world. Oh. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. <laughs> People really like to wax poetic about baby corn. I'm like, all right. Um, yeah. I've, uh, okay. I've read that they're similar to hearts of palm when they're fresh. I do like hearts of palm, so there you go. Um, and, and that also, like, it can have sort of like the, the chew of, like, a, a quinoa. It's sort of like chew and pop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. When canned, uh, they are often preserved with uh, sugars or acids or salts. And so, yeah, like, like kind of as mentioned above, like altogether, uh, as with many canned foods, I would surmise that, yeah, like the texture and delicate flavor are not surviving the canning process. I- I've always found them, right, like a little bit rubbery and, and kind of like cloying tasting, like a little like, like, why is this sweet in this way? kind of mm. kind of thing mm-hmm. um but uh i don't know yeah yeah what a what a what do you like about them well uh this has been on the back of my mind ever since your <laughs> shocked reaction <laughs> at my love of baby corn i think i really liked i actually really liked the texture i liked that it was like soft and then kind of like in between soft and hard okay <laughs> sure right into it uh-huh um I felt like as a kid, actually, I really like corn in general. Um, sure. So I think there was that going on where uh-huh. it was like like a mild sweetness, but also like a mild, barely there, which I think a lot of people clearly don't like, but like pickled taste. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I liked that if I felt 
that it was a it was a very mild taste, but it um, absorbed flavors really well. So in in yeah. most cases. When I, what I liked about it, like, I would just melt it with butter. So it's like, yeah. it's hard to say how much of that was I liked butter. <laughs> but I also, I think the combination of the kind of light sweetness with the salt and the texture was what I liked. And then in, like, stir fries, yeah, I, I love soy sauce. And it was just kind of soaking up. Soaking it up, yeah. Um, those flavors. Yeah, it does. It does, um, you know, because it, it has those little kind of proto kernels, um, it, it, the, the, the shape of it is really good at, um, at attaching sauces to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. you, you do wind up with a, with a good, good, bit of, good bit of sauce flavor on there. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, other humans like them too. Uh, they can be eaten uh, raw in salads or as a snack uh, or cooked into any number of dishes as a fresh vegetable would be cooked in uh, in soups or stews or uh, curries, fries, and fritters. I think it's most common in um, East and South Asian and Central and South American cuisines. Yeah. Which is yes. more or less where it's grown. So that makes sense. It does make sense. Well, what about the nutrition? Uh, baby corn is pretty good for you. Uh, lots of fiber, good smattering of vitamins and minerals. Um, it'll help fill you up, but, you know, pair it with a, a protein and a fat to, to keep you going. Yes, and uh, we do have some numbers for you. We do. We do. So uh, in doing the research for this one, it was a lot of things were kind of grouped together as sort of baby vegetables in general. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then trying to break out baby corn in specific. But uh, there are about 50 types of vegetables that are grown and or imported as miniatures in the United States. Okay. Uh, because growing baby corn is, yes, labor intensive and, and those mechanical harvesters don't work on baby corn. Um which also makes it costly. Not much of it is grown in the U.S., though the U.S. is the largest producer of adult corn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Most of baby corn is grown in Thailand, where it is called, yes, from what I read, candle corn. But listeners, as always, write in. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. um, uh, Right. uh, China and India are two other large producers. Yes, and fresh baby corn is hard to find in the U.S., from what I read, though not impossible. Um, it's so relatively rare here. Finding someone knowledgeable about it is difficult. That was literally a kind of a point in one of the articles I read about it is that they couldn't find anybody <laughs> who knew yeah. about it. Yeah, NPR was like, we kind of couldn't find anyone to talk about it. Oh, and then we did. Oh, heck, heck yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, and I desperately want to try it now. Oh, right? fresh baby corn. Oh, mm. goodness. I my my uh, my mom's parents used to grow corn in their garden, um, and I'm like really regretting. That I never thought about that as a child, or like I never <laughs> knew that that's what baby corn was. So I was never just like boop. Right, right. That's been interesting lately because baby carrots have been in the news for a variety of reasons, and <laughs> everyone's like, "Well, baby, yes, <laughs> yes, they have." Okay. Um, and everybody was like, "Baby, baby carrots are alive, but baby corn's the real deal." <laughs> Um, we can get into that later. (laughs) We can, we can. Um, uh, if you are looking for baby corn, um, and, uh, you, you, you do not have grandparents who grow corn in their backyard, uh, try, try a farmer's market or a CSA or like a farmer's co-op. Um, that is assuming that you live somewhere where corn grows. If you don't, then I'm, you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> Agricultural travel, when it's safe to travel. Yes, and here's the quote from Boston University anthropologist Mary White about our love of baby vegetables. In terms of our psycho-emotional relationship to tiny things, I think it relates to the way you feel when you're in a cathedral. The enormity and intricate detail of the space are awe-inspiring, and humans can experience a flipped version of that awe when looking at meticulously reproduced tiny things. That something can be that small is a wonder. Yeah. Uh, uh, and this also plays into um, the the human a psychological thing where we find tiny things cute. Um, And there is actually a bunch of science that has been done about why we think some things are cute. Um, So uh, for a little bit more on that, our our colleagues um, uh, over at Stuff to Blow Your Mind, which back in 2013 was hosted by Robert Lamb and Julie Douglas. Um, And I mentioned back in 2013 because that's when they put out an episode called The Science of Cute that explores a lot more about this. Um, Side note to the side note, uh, Robert later expanded on this with current co-host Joe McCormick in 2017 um, with an episode called The Monstrosity Slash Cuteness Spectrum. Hmm. Which is about Did you talk about the baby cord in there. <laughs> I bet you anything that Joe McCormick brought up delicious baby corn in this episode. One I have, can only hope. <laughs> I have to be fair, not listened to it. I'm so sorry. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, stuff stuff to blow your mind. Great show, check it out. Um and yeah. uh Okay, so aside to the aside aside, uh, baby corn, how did we get here? Ooh, we'll get into that. But first, we're going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, oh dear. (laughs) Corn is a separate episode. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um... And just thinking about it kind of gives me anxiety. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely do it. But there are a lot of offshoots of that one, and we're tackling one today, which Uh is baby corn. Which is baby corn. Yeah, we've previously done an episode on popcorn. Um, Yeah. If you want to look at that one. But but today, right, just, just baby corn. I feel like we do this all the time. We're always like, not this thing. But yeah. this specific thing. <laughs> and not today, Corn. Not today. <laughs> not today. Um, but I suppose of note, um, though there aren't really records of baby corn for a lot of history since um, it's essentially, yes, baby corn or corn that is harvested early. And corn originated in Mesoamerica between 8,000 BCE or 5,000 BCE, somewhere in there. It's possible people have been eating baby corn as long as corn has been around. It's probably very likely, actually. Yeah. Yeah, no records, so no Yay! records that I could find. Oh, well, oh. good, good yeah. caveat. Yes, I, you know, maybe we'll be the ones. Maybe one day we'll get to do an archaeological dig, Ooh. and then we'll learn more about baby corn, and then we'll accidentally awaken a mummy, <laughs> and then I'll call Rachel Vise and Brendan Fraser, and it'll be a great action movie one day. I I like this baby corn based mummy sequel. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we need. That's super what into this. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Okay, but back to baby corn. When tracing the history of baby vegetables in general, um, the history goes back quite a ways. Records indicate that ancient Egyptians had a fascination with miniature things, including foods, as did cultures across the world and across all of time. Um, a fascination that Yes, still exist to this day. Uh, yeah, and I would argue, like, any food that is, quote, like, abnormal or not the size we're used to seeing it can garner headlines or things written about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it's large or small, we're just like, ooh, that's different. Exactly. And in fact, we recently got a request that I'm very interested in looking into about um, large foods and the business of growing, like, Huge. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that that's one that I would love to do an interview for because, like, the care that mm-hmm. these farmers and uh, and hobbyists put into those things is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. The other word I was thinking of is not bar, um, but <laughs> but but wonderful in either case. Indeed, indeed, that would be so fantastic. Um, so corn from the Americas was introduced all over the world. Um, as all this colonizing and exploring and exchanging was happening from the 1400s to the 1600s. Records indicate it was present in Europe by 1493 and in China by the 1500s. The specific diminutive of baby when it comes to miniature foods is more recent. It wasn't until the 19th century that people started to regularly and officially apply these kinds of terms to food, with no less than John Keats using the phrase 
baby roast beef in some of his writings. What? Yeah. <laughs> also, what is baby roast beef? Okay. I huh. know. But after that, it like really caught on and huh. a slew of baby foods followed. By the 1870s, baby cauliflower, baby cucumbers, baby onions, baby lettuce, and baby corn had shown up in the written record. And speaking of the written record, um, I love this. Here are some lines <laughs> from an 1899 poem about baby corn. Oh, no. What? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, a happy mother stalk of corn held close a baby ear and whispered, Cuddle up to me, I'll keep you warm, my dear. For a funny little baby that, for though it had no eye, it had a hundred mouths. Twas well it did not want to cry. <laughs> a mother put in each small mouth a hollow thread of silk, through which the sun and rain and air provided baby's milk. Wow. Yes, the stunned silence was appropriate. <laughs> It goes on. I'm just going to say that was a mere <laughs> snippet. <laughs> I had to narrow down what was the, the best, in my opinion. But People love to wax poetic about baby corn. As you said, it's totally true. Um, with the Industrial Revolution, a lot of these baby vegetables, including baby corn, were jarred, pickled, or canned and became more widely available um, and then baby vegetables were a popular side of frozen TV dinners starting in the 1950s. The 1960s ushered in a whole new era for baby vegetables with the advent of Nouvelle Cuisine in France. Um, baby vegetables, often lightly cooked, frequently served as garnishes for these dishes. Simultaneously, the word baby was replacing young in popular usage, which I find interesting. Uh, this blossomed into new American-style cuisine. In 1986, Alice Waters of the Berkeley restaurant Chez Panisse earned the nickname from one author, quote, home of vegetable infanticide. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps it's more fair to say that Berkeley at large earned that name. Uh, uh, but yes, um, the, this restaurant was an example of it. That same year, World War II veteran Wilbur Sousa started Bebe Farm, dedicated entirely to growing baby vegetables. But yes, not everyone was a fan. At San Francisco's 1985 Four Symposium on American Cuisine, many attendees complained about a trend that they believed had run its course, these baby vegetables. Arena Chalmers said the babies were, quote, getting smaller by the day. Goodness knows zucchini will soon disappear altogether or simply be painted on the plate. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oof, yeah, some spicy reviews in here about baby vegetables. I know. <laughs> I guess to be fair, like the, the trend of baby vegetables does remind me very much of like of like American psycho like level. Oh. Of, oh my. Yeah. I feel like it reminds me, and I say this as someone who loves baby corn, but of, like, really bland frozen meals. Ah. That were, hmm. like, the, they were mushy when you heated them up and they didn't have much flavor. Like, 80s. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. On a square plate with, mm -hmm. with that weird drizzle of sauce. Yeah, and you weren't sure what it was or why yeah. it was there. Yeah. 
Um, well, speaking of 80s, <laughs> by the 1980s, major U.S. grocery chains offered canned baby corn, often as a part of a medley with other baby vegetables. Um, once they were available in grocery stores, they started finding their way onto the tables of average Americans. And I will say, I actually didn't like a lot of canned vegetables. And I especially didn't like a lot of, as a kid, now I don't really care, but a lot of these baby vegetables. So it is interesting that baby corn. You glommed onto baby corn. For some yeah. reason worked for me. Yeah. Um, so I did try to get to the bottom of how baby corn ended up in so many stir fries and in Asian cuisine, but I couldn't really find anything concrete. Again, listeners, if you have any information, please yeah, let us know. Yeah. I found some accounts from Chinese-American chefs um, where the chefs were saying that baby corn was a part of this melding of cultures and cuisines as more and more Asian immigrants opened up restaurants in the United States and that baby corn may have substituted for other vegetables they couldn't find here, particularly when it comes to adding texture. I don't know. I feel like there should be. Like that, that's probably, that's true. I believe that's true. But I also feel like it's so prevalent in Asian cuisine. I don't know. I'm, I just feel like we're missing a piece there. Like something. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. <laughs> but I think it's, it's out, out there. It's out there somewhere. Yes. The baby corn is out there. Someday your baby corn link will come. <laughs> I want to believe. <laughs> Um, baby corn was featured in the 1988 film Big. It's a it's a cute moment, yeah. Tom Tom Hanks character who's like a 12 year old who's been aged up into an adult, uh, uh, like is at this fancy restaurant and it's the 80s, so there's baby corn on the plate and he tries to eat it like it's a full size cob, like he picks it up and and takes like <laughs> tiny nibbles of like the little proto kernels across the cob. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, then beginning sometime around 2004, uh, researchers began releasing varieties of corn, specifically bread, for growing baby corn. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I feel like I got, I still have questions. I'm like, why? If, if people aren't that into it. <laughs> Well, I think I, I think where it's grown um, and and where it's provided uh, fresh, uh, people yeah. are into yeah. it. It's just like here, where right, like like it's it's the it's the whole like like if you've only ever had um, uh, canned green beans or uh, frozen Brussels sprouts or something like that, then you don't maybe know like the joy of the texture of and and uh, and flavor of the fresh thing, and so. This is, I, I find this really interesting because, and I would love to return to this, but it would be a much more cerebral episode. <laughs> I don't know. But I feel like some people, including me, like sometimes you like the thing, like the mushy thing that's not Yeah. Because <laughs> I guess nostalgia or something or. Yeah, I was actually just talking about this yesterday, uh, specifically about green bean casserole, um, because uh, like in that instance, like I sort of want it to be mush and I want right. it to taste like canned condensed soup. Mm -hmm. Like, cause I've yeah. made a, I've made a version that was like, like out of like nice ingredients, like, like fresh ingredients. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just very interested in that. My dad was somebody who always went for kind of the, the canned or that he could between the choice <laughs> of uh -huh. like fresh and canned he would prefer the candidate i've always been fascinated by that um yeah we'll have to we'll have to ponder 
Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And yeah, and I, yeah, I was specifically, um, right, speaking about it with a, with a friend about like, like, I'd, I'd be curious to see, like, if you presented someone who was from a different culinary culture, um, Mm -hmm. and didn't have like the memory growing up of this, like Betty Crocker, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, green bean casserole, and you presented them with the two versions like what would they like i don't know yeah savor experiment i Ooh. like that oh no i like that a lot <laughs> okay so adding two kinds of green bean casserole to our increasingly oh stomach upsetting <laughs> yeah oh it's gonna be a blast and, and also terrible but i'm excited for it <laughs> absolutely um well i guess i guess that is what we have to say about baby corn today yes but we have some listener mail for you, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener. Oh, baby corn. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we have more poutine. <laughs> yes. Letters. We have even more after this. It's so fantastic. <laughs> Julia wrote, I wanted to write in after listening to your most recent episode on poutine. I love the podcast and often listen while sewing. However, when it came into my feed, I knew immediately I had to save it so my husband and I could listen together since he is Canadian. <laughs> 
We thoroughly enjoyed the episode and had fun listening to your pronunciations. <laughs> While this is just one man's verdict, he comes down the side of pronunciation depending on which language you speak. Clearly, it's a French-Canadian dish, so the French pronunciation is the most correct one. The best phonetic writing I can come up with is this. Hootsin. <laughs> I tried. However, many of the Anglophones simply say it Putin. Um, in both, the ending ten is like the metal, and the poo sound is a bit more abbreviated, and I think that's enough use of the term poo while talking about food, <laughs> don't you? I now owe you one confession. As an American living in Canada, I didn't like poutine when I first tried it. I grew up in the South and for some reason expected sausage gravy instead of the brown gravy. Oh. I just couldn't get over my initial dislike. Cheese curds and fries, delicious. But adding brown gravy, I just couldn't eat it. I fear that as I write this, the Canadian government is on its way to revoke my permanent resident status. <laughs> However, your lovely episode and clear love of the dish have me wanting to give it another try. So I am now on the hunt to find the best poutine in my city to give it a second chance. Oh. Well, I hope you like it, but, you know, no harm, no foul. Yeah, yeah, we all have foods that we dislike. It's okay. Yeah, and again, going back to what we were talking about, sometimes you you have this association with gravy, and that's just your mind can't get over. Yeah, (laughs) although now I really want a version of poutine that has, like, southern gravy, like southern sausage gravy. And maybe like is this is this uh sacrilegious like a like a good like like orange cheddar curd? Ooh. Just for the color contrast? Mm. It you know, it probably is, but also there's like a million types of poutine. So I yeah. think it's it's you know, I bet it exists to be oh, honest. Man, I know I want <laughs> sausage gravy. Heck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, William wrote, In the spirit of the uh, camping backpacking topic, as well as to go with your recent episode on liquid smoke, I will give you my recipe for my toasted s'mores keto truckercino. Truckercinos are what I call the coffee drinks I make in the cab of the semi-truck that help me maintain my keto lifestyle. Uh, I'm a fancy pants trucker. <laughs> Here is how I make the toasted s'more truckercinos. Makes four cups of coffee. You will need a coffee maker and a stick immersion blender as tools. This is already more fancy than I am, y'all. I, <laughs> I like I don't have one of these for my house, let alone for my motor vehicle. Um, okay, anyway. Uh, uh, okay, next step. You will need to brew about 16 to 18 ounces of coffee. Choose your favorite coffee grounds for brewing. Add two tablespoons of ground cinnamon and a pinch of good quality salt to the grounds before brewing. Get four coffee mugs that can hold 16 ounces of liquid. Add two teaspoons of butter, two teaspoons of uh, coconut or MCT oil, two teaspoons of cocoa powder, and about a tablespoon of sweetener, I prefer xylitol or um, allulose, and one egg. You can just sweetener up or down based on your preference. You will put eight ounces of heavy cream in a jar or bowl that can uh, accommodate the stick blender. Add two tablespoons of a preferred sweetener, uh, a teaspoon of vanilla extract, one half teaspoon of caramel extract, uh, a pinch of salt, and two to four drops of liquid smoke. Blend the cream into a nice stiff whipped cream. The whipped cream will have a smoky campfire roasted marshmallow flavor. Oh my goodness. 
When the coffee is brewed, I slowly pour the coffee into the mugs while simultaneously blending with the stick blender. This will temper the egg and give you a, a rich, creamy, chocolate cinnamon coffee. Fill each mug about halfway with coffee while blending. Stop at about half full. Add two to four tablespoons of the marshmallow cream uh, and then finish filling the mug with coffee. You should have a mug of coffee with a foamy, frothy, cappuccino-like top. The flavor is going to mimic the uh, cinnamon, chocolatey, and smoky toasted marshmallow of a campfire-made s'more. Garnish with ground cinnamon, shaved chocolate, a cinnamon stick, or a drizzle of chocolate sauce. And enjoy. Ah, uh, yes. Wow. <laughs> wow Yes! I know! So fancy. It sounds so delicious. Ah, uh, man. I want it. Yes! <laughs> Perfect for the holidays, too. So thank right? you. Thank yeah. you for sharing. <laughs> oh, and yet again, for every time, for every time y'all write in and are like this, like, like, I love your show, but it gives me so many cravings. Like your emails give us so many cravings, too. So, yes, yes, it's a <laughs> symbiotic craving. <It's> a- <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, but we love it. We love it. So, mm-hmm. Thanks to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 
24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.